Welcome to Life Hacks for Pastors, where we equip pastors with strategies and tools to navigate the personal and relational challenges of ministry life. Each month, we will help pastors explore how they can build resilience to continue to face the challenges of ministry life. Today, Don and Tom continue the conversation about how we can build resilience through relationships with others with Brian Bowman, the pastor of Valley Life Church, Tremonto. Thank you for joining us at Life Hacks for Pastors. My name is Don Vickers, and I am the Associational Mission Strategist for U.S. Southern Baptist Association. And I'm Tom Burks, the Senior Pastor at Stone Ridge Church in Yuma. And today we get to continue our conversation about building resilience in our lives through the relationships we have. And we're talking to Pastor Brian Bowman today. He's the pastor of Valley Life Church in Phoenix, and uh, excited to have him here. Yeah, welcome, Brian. Thanks, good to be here. Hey, uh, one of the things that we want to do every week is to to try to share a life hack, something that um, could be something that makes your day a little easier, or something that you found that simplifies your personal life or even your ministry life. Uh, Do you have a life hack you can share with us? Yeah, recently I sort of uh, jokingly posted that I started listening to my own sermons on playback when I would be on an exercise machine or rower or bike or something like that. And I commit to, I'm going to stay on this thing until the sermon's over. And that makes me realize when like I'm going over or using sentences that shouldn't be there, I I find myself saying, come on, man, say it, hurry it up. (laughs) Kind of put myself in the position of the kids care workers when they're like, hey, you know, you missed that exit. Time to take the next exit. Let's wrap this up. Yeah. I love it. I wish I want to have that discipline and I just can't stand listening to myself. <laughs> I, I think I think I need to do that. My my mom used to catch me at my at my um, my goofy sayings and stuff. And she said, oh, yeah. hey, do you, you always say, um, mm-hmm. I said, I never say, um. And then I started hearing me, myself say, um, and then I would catch it when it was almost, almost out of my mouth. And finally, I, I've pretty much eliminated that, but I substitute other things. So I should be listening to myself from time to time. <laughs> That's great. When I first, when I first started in ministry, I think it was the second church I pastored in Oklahoma. Uh, Deacon came to me and said, hey, there's something I need to talk to you about. And I was afraid I had offended someone. And he said, I just got to tell you, honestly, Pastor, you say the phrase, oh, really, too often. And I said, oh, really? Oh, I see what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, the things we got get caught at. But, but you know, and you've seen it, and we've seen it, and I've, I've probably been that person who has that trouble getting on that off-ramp or trying to land the plane, mm-hmm. and you just sure. circle again, and we're going to get closer this time, and <laughs> you almost feel the whole congregation saying, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> lunch, lunch, lunch. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, well, every month we're talking about different ways that pastors can build resilience in their lives. And again, that, that uh, resilience is important to us because it gives us the ability to bounce back and to continue to move forward in, in opposition. And so this, this month we're talking about building it through relationships and really good relationships, right? Yeah, ideally, yeah. Yeah. So we want to really kind of focus in on that and continue that conversation today. 
Yeah, we've been um, referencing John Miller's book, Resilient, a lot. And uh, he says, we're as vulnerable as any, we pastors are as vulnerable as anyone to temptation, depression, burnout. Um, we exhort our people, as we should, that isolation and an unaccountable life is the devil's workshop. Uh, but we have to practice what we preach. Right. And um, how, do you... Have you found that true, Brian, of, of pastors that you know? Do they do they talk about, you know, your, their people should be in community and relationships, but they themselves are a little bit separate or aloof? Do you see that? Well, yeah, that particular instance for sure. But even if you back the camera up a little bit and say in general, uh, when a pastor isn't practicing what he's literally preaching, that's <laughs> the scariest position from you know for me or for any of the people i'm acquainted with to be in because you're having to crawl over some massive moat that god has placed in our life Hmm. you you have you know spend all the time to study craft this sermon put it together deliver it with passion and then not do it that's just that's a skill you do not want to develop and when it comes to relationships, of course, you know, we're, we're using the proverbial wisdom of, of uh, the relationships in our lives, uh, wisdom and character and all that sort of stuff. And you teach that to the congregation. But then the pastor himself, if he's isolating himself or not being open and vulnerable with some group of friends, you know, the Proverbs say he's. He's uh, raging against all sound judgment. The man isolates himself, rages against all sound judgment. Hmm. It's a scary place to be in. Yeah. Oh. So why why do pastors sometimes fall into this idea that they don't need other people speaking into their lives? What do you What do you see there? Uh, I think it's I guess the the most obvious thing, the the bottom shelf truth is we we try to be right. You know, we feel that need, and it's true, and that there's a goodness to it, that we speak truth, and we want to live in truth. But one of the things that I feel like I've learned or seen in ministry is you're never more dangerous than when you're right. We, we're so afraid of being wrong or speaking error, and that's true. And I'm not saying we should be wrong. We should do all our diligence to say the right things and do the right things. But once we find that we are in the right or we're speaking right or living right, that can um, that can create a sort of a lone ranger or an isolation mentality that makes us really, really dangerous. We feel, I guess the word is justified right. by our rightness to treat ourselves as an exemption or we're the exception to all these rules or plans we have for people in the church. We really need you to be in community group open up your Bible, open up your, your life to each other. And I'm tired of telling you people that, but then he himself yeah. is not an open person. Right. And there's obviously, you know, you can't be completely open with everyone in the church. And Jesus did not commit himself to men because he knew what was in men and all that. But there's got to be some, got to be some way that we ourselves um, are exposed to the gaze of other people in our lives. Right. Yeah. I think sometimes there's that sense of pride that kind of wells in up up us as well. To again, we're in this position, um, and you know, to to let you in on what's really happening in me could be could be a little scary. Right, right. So when uh, Miller also talks about how uh, when individuals are able to share their true hurts, fears, 
and their sin as well as their joys and triumphs, they're more emotionally and spiritually healthy um, than those who keep that to themselves. Uh, have you seen, Brian, pastors that are maybe good at preaching or good at leading, but just emotionally unhealthy? Emotionally unhealthy leaders. Yeah, for sure. Not just pastors, but ministry leaders or deacons and elders. Um, they're, you know, somebody said ministry is a good place for insecure people to hide. <laughs> I don't even know if that's true. Um, it, it It's not a place for someone who wants to live authentically to be insecure and hide. But um, yeah, absolutely. And it's an ugly thing to watch because we're, just because someone has the skills that, that uh, make you a good pastor doesn't mean that they are emotionally healthy. Those two things don't necessarily go together right. and they don't necessarily fly apart immediately. Right. You know, you can fake it and you know, there's a way to get that done. Um, I don't think my personality lends itself to that. I'm sort of, I, I talk too much <laughs> and I say what, what I'm feeling too, too much. So maybe that's a gift and maybe it's not, but it does tend to keep me from being false. I can't, I can't pull it off. Yeah, well, and I think that's a great point to th to think about because there is this this time of coasting. It seems like where you know I, I've I'm not not spending time with the Lord. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And it seems like everything continues to move on just fine. But I'm doing mm -hmm. it in my own effort, my own power, and eventually all the wheels are going to fall off. And you know you're right. just you're just setting yourself up for that. Yeah, and there's a, um, especially when I was young and, and the younger guys that I hung out with in ministry, the, the notion that if you have a large church, you have a strong walk with the Lord. Right. Or if a lot of people are coming to Christ, you know, the saying is they must be doing something right. And that's not at all true. Uh, scripture says that that's not at all true. Um, Paul was happy for people to be saying good things about Christ while acknowledging they may be doing it from a bad heart. Right. I'm glad that the Lord is getting the, the glory he deserves. That doesn't mean that the minister's heart is justified. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we talked about relationships, we introduced kind of four spheres of relationships. We talked about personal family relationships, our spouses, family, close friends that we have. And we talked about our church relationships, those that, that are in our church that we can have relationships with. Um, we talked about peer relationships, uh, relationships with other pastors uh, and ministers. And then we talked about a coaching relationship or mentoring relationship, people that we can turn to from time to time when we have a specific need. And not long ago, you posted something on your um, Facebook that, that just caught my eye. You said, if you're a young man realizing your peers are fools, you're on the right track, <laughs> right? A fool plus a fool does not equal wisdom. And then you, you use the great thing. Here's a life hack that will not disappoint. Make friends with older men with happy wives who've already raised kids in, in, into independent adulthood. Um, boy. Again, the 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 what you're saying here is you got to have positive relationships, right? You got to have life-giving relationships. Uh, so why why did you write that? And yeah, what inspired the post? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Uh, I was just hoping to get on the Life Hacks podcast. <laughs> oh well, there you go. 
<laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> Mission accomplished. No, I was uh, a young man is, is on our staff. I think Matt is uh, in his maybe late 20s by now. When I met this young man, Matt Walker, when I met Matt Walker, he had, he had come to church for the first time. I shook his hand and I said, I don't know why I did it. And I, I'm not saying it was of the Lord or anything. I think it was more like a random Hail Mary. I said, hey, I see you in leadership in this church one of these days. He was a very young, 20s, single guy. And he told me later that when I said that, he thought, I'm in the wrong church. <laughs> this guy has no idea. I'm running from the Lord right now. And I only reason I came to church is I asked Siri one day to take me to church. And Siri took him to Valley Life Church. Wow. That's when I met him and said, I see you in leadership one day. Matt's life was a wreck. But he did make friends with older men. He just happened to be one of those guys that enjoyed fellas in their 40s. And he was telling that story one time. And he finished the story by saying, I just made friends with guys in their 40s who seemed to have their lives together. Yeah. And I thought about it and thought about it. And I said, you know, how Matt's life has turned out different. He's now our, our uh, minister to families here. Okay. And married with kids, doing really well. And I thought, man, how Matt's life turned out differently when he took you know, this direction, making friends with the guys around the church who are doing well. They got happy wives. They raise kids to adulthood. They're leaders in the church. And now Matt is on that track. Yeah. And so if we translate that to our relationship with our peers, other pastors that we know, how how do you look for a pastor who, who would be a life-giving pastor? Amen. You know, I think... It, we've sort of hinted at what not to do already. Yeah. It's not necessarily, you know, the guy with his name and lights for, for whatever reasons, that's not necessarily the guy that I'm wanting to pattern my life after. Um, I'm looking for a fella whose wife seems happy, uh, especially if we're talking minister to minister, okay. is she happy in ministry? Because mm -hmm. I want my wife to be happy in ministry. You know, the old traditional pastor's wife role is kind of gone now, I think, and I think that's a good thing because uh, my wife has never fit that right. that role. But she, I, I want her to be happy in ministry, and now we're probably at the age where people should be saying, is Brooke happy in ministry and can we follow Brian? But that's who I look for. And then I want to see, um, are the kids happy? Have they grown up to independent adulthood? And that can be tricky, and people talk a lot about, what does that mean in an economy the way ours is? But it's got to mean something. It doesn't mean nothing at all. There is a way to be an independent adult in your in your 20s today. Um, and my kids have both found their way there, and I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and part of, part of I think, what you're looking for, too, is somebody who's able to give sound advice um, that, that, again, would be, be rooted in Scripture, right? Right. So I, when Michelle and I first got married, we, we were at seminary and had no money. And I went to an older guy and said, hey, um, our anniversary is coming up, and I really would like to take Michelle out to dinner. I don't have any money, but I got these bills. Which bill should I skip so that I can take her out? And what I really needed him to say was, you don't skip your bills, you 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 do something on the cheap with whatever you can afford and just enjoy each other. Mm -hmm. That's what I needed to hear. But what I heard was, well, you could probably get by with skipping the electric bill this month. 
that just that just put me on a wrong path for a long time. Mm. And what I like I say, what I needed was somebody who would tell me the truth and and maybe hurt my feelings in the moment, but kind of guard us and protect us moving forward. And so sometimes the guys that that are around us, they want to be our friends and they want to be friendly to us. So they'll tell us sometimes the things that we want to hear rather than the truth that we need to hear. Right. Yeah. And so have you experienced that as well? Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Yeah. And profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Yeah. It's it's just far too easy to tell someone what they want to hear. And, and we, we're we good. At, we're all good at that. We, you can tell what someone really wants to hear. And it takes a true friend, someone that's really interested in you, to disappoint. to And to disappoint at a rate that doesn't ruin the relationship. Disappoint right. at a rate that you can stand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good mentor. Yeah. Do you do you have someone in your life, Brian, that um, has the freedom to speak that boldly to you? Uh, yeah, there, and there's there's guys at different levels. You know, there's some guys in the church that um, you know elders mm-hmm. who are close to me, and they 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 have to have that skill of taking off the elder hat and back on the friend hat. And we have sometimes we have to define it, and sometimes we just sort of recognize. When are we joking around and when are we just being friends talking about family and when is it business time? And that's a different, different kind of relationship. Right. It takes um, skill on their part and nuance sometimes on me and my wife and, and their wives part to know what are we doing today? You know, right. Um, sometimes it gets mixed up, but that's part of a healthy relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me ask, uh, it's not in our notes. But you brought your wife into this a couple times now. How how does sure. she how does she have freedom to speak into your life? Uh, complete freedom. <laughs> Brooke says, you know, especially with the church plant, um, you know, people come and go over twelve years, just like in any church. But in the church plant, the kinds of people that want to be a part of something from the very beginning and want to construct are not the kind of people that are there ten years later necessarily. We've been mm. very thankful that some have made the. And they've had to change their relationship to me and to the church through that. But a lot of people didn't. But Brooke will always say, remember, I've been here the whole time. Mm. I've seen every iteration of you as a planter, you as a discipler and pastor, and every iteration of this church, from a movie theater to a one-room church to now we've purchased this building and planting other churches. So she likes to say, you know, she's the... um, She's the body of wisdom that has seen the whole thing, can remember it, and speak into it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things we've talked a little bit about around the edges is the need for us as as, as pastors to listen to our spouses and to yeah. really— And believe. Yeah, and give them permission, right, to speak, not give them the cold shoulder when they speak truth. Yeah, um, yeah and it's hard sometimes, I think, you know— I've maybe at times been guilty of this, and I've certainly seen it in other pastors, but when the wife speaks up, um, and if it's it's about leadership or the, the workings of the church, you're like, no, you you know, you get to speak up in matters of the heart or relationship, but this is this is church stuff, you you know. Mm. And 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 to create a wall there. Um, when, mm-hmm. like you said, Brian, like she's been there the whole time. Yeah. 
And she's watching, Absolutely. you know, she's just as engaged and involved. And she may not be sitting in that board meeting with you, but she's watched it over years and years and years. Right. And, and we we do well to open ourselves up to that input. Yeah. Because I, I, again, I think that's one of the. the go ahead. Go I, ahead. Say, I think that's one of the most foolish things a pastor could do yeah. is to shut down or turn off that antenna that mm-hmm. God has given that there's so much wisdom and a different perspective and. Um, she, she senses things in me, although she wasn't in the board meeting, she has the opportunity to see what happened in me after the board meeting and can (laughs) see the patterns that develop. And I know nobody cares. You know, I like to say nobody cares about the church as much as the pastor, but man, Brooke is, Brooke probably does. She's right there. Yeah. Yeah. So all all this talk about being on having these relationships does it make you relate uh, to pastors differently? I guess what I'm really asking is, do you live differently so that you could be a positive peer for the guys around you? Oh yeah, um, my my story in church church planting specifically. I was a pastor in Oklahoma for eight years, and then moved to Portland, Oregon, basically on a wow. whim of the Holy Spirit. I just, I'd never been there. I'd never seen it, never really thought about it. And three months later, we lived in Portland. I didn't know about church planting. I just had the notion they need churches up there. We'll just go make one. Mm. I didn't know about the church planting um, subculture at that time. We just moved up there. Uh, and that, of course, was really hard. I was a fool, isolated, wow. raging against all sound judgment. And, and of course, it didn't go well. It wasn't long. Four years later, we're back in Oklahoma, sort of with our tail tucked between our legs. Hmm. And I thought, man, if I ever get the opportunity to plant another church, I want to open it. You know, I want to open myself up to be a place for other people, which is why Valley Life became a church planting church. It's why we do residencies for aspiring planters and anything we have is is open to other planters. That's very cool. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, do you have something else that, uh, in this conversation space you think would be important for pastors to hear? Oh, you? Uh, no, <laughs> I got nothing like that. <laughs> All right. Well, I just wanted to give the opportunity. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, Brian, thank you so much. It's great to hear, and I'm I'm excited. You know, I didn't know the the story of Valley Life until till this conversation, and I think it's um, exciting, impressive the way that you guys are are launching other ministries, but also I really appreciate uh, the wisdom you've got as it comes to pastors being open and transparent and that you're modeling that in the in the church you serve, but you're also modeling it for the pastors that you're launching out there. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Very good. I appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Hey, uh, join us next week as Tom and I wrap up this aspect of building resilience through our relationships. And don't forget to send us your favorite life hack for some of that life hacks for pastors swag. We really ought to get to that someday, right? Someday. All right. Well, you can send that um, life hack to lifehacksforpastors at gmail.com. And thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Life Hacks for Pastors today. Don and Tom talked about how we can build resilience through our relationships with others with Brian Bowman, the pastor of Valley Life Church, Tremonto. If you have a life hack that you would like to share or a story about how your relationships have helped you stay resilient, send those to lifehacksforpastors at gmail.com. 
Life Extra Pastures is published each Monday, and we invite you to join us next week as Don and Tom wrap up talking about how our relationships can help us build resilience in our lives.